Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. Later today, a handful of California counties could move into the state's least restrictive tier for reopening. L.A., San Francisco, Marin, and Trinity counties have all seen new case rates and test positivity reach a low enough level to move into the yellow tier. Dr. Monica Gandhi is a professor at UCSF and specializes in infectious disease. What we've been doing right is increasing our vaccination rate and having very high uptake of vaccines. Um, So if you look at the country at large, uh, they're at about a 44% first dose rate. Um, But in places like LA County, they're at a 54% first dose rate age of 16 or older. And here in the Bay Area, we're actually in San Francisco at a 72% first dose of vaccine rate. Moving into the yellow tier would allow bars to reopen indoors even if they don't serve food. Larger outdoor gatherings would also be allowed in those counties, and indoor businesses would be able to operate at higher capacity. Thirteen counties are still in the more limited red tier. Dr. Gandhi says that's not a huge surprise, as it's only been a few weeks since the state expanded eligibility for vaccines to everyone 16 and older. People really trust their physicians and their long-standing office. So I think when we get vaccines in that setting, we'll see people have that one-on-one conversation that sometimes is needed with your healthcare provider to help persuade you about, okay, yeah, these are really incredibly effective and safe vaccines. Inyo and Yuba counties, which are currently in the red tier, could move into the orange tier today. For the second day in a row, L.A. County did not record any COVID-19-related deaths. County health officials do warn that the numbers typically lag on Sundays and Mondays due to delays in reporting. L.A. County Public Health Director Dr. Barbara Ferrer speaking at a news conference yesterday. We're down to an average of four or five deaths a day, Um, and uh, that's a huge, huge decrease. Uh, And I know it brings, uh, you know, a, a lot of hope and joy. Uh, back into our families, because that was probably one of the the worst parts of this pandemic was losing so many people that are loved and cherished in their communities. So, you know, I am hopeful. I am really, really hopeful about 
the deaths staying relatively low. All told, the state recorded 15 COVID-related deaths on Monday, and San Francisco, Santa Clara, and Sacramento were among the other counties reporting zero deaths over a 24-hour period. A growing number of people in the millions, according to the CDC, have received their first shot of a COVID-19 vaccine, but have not returned for their second dose. There's no one answer as to why people are skipping that second vaccination. Some are worried about side effects. Others just miss their appointments. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi spoke with Dr. Stephen Perotti, executive director of the Permanente Group at Kaiser Permanente. He asked him how concerned we should be. I'll tell you, as an infectious disease specialist, I am concerned about it. And we definitely want people to get their best shot at getting full protection. So we know that if you get the second dose, it works better. Um, So if you want that full efficacy for both the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines to get to that 95, 94% efficacy, you need those two doses. Do we know how much more effective it is to get the second dose rather than a person who has only gotten one dose of the vaccines? You know, it actually has not been fully studied. uh, But the way I would answer this question for you is twofold. One is that that second dose boosts actually a second part of your immune system. So we've been focused a lot on neutralizing antibodies. Those are like the, you know, infantry that goes in and fights off the infection when it first shows up. But the second part of our immune system is having memory, Um, remembering um, that if you get hit with the coronavirus later on, that your immune system can rush back in. And that second dose is now being shown to actually activate that second part of your immune system. The other thing I'll just say is that your immune system needs training. So the way I like to think of this is that, you know, when we all went to school, It's one thing to read about something. It's another thing to memorize it. And so think of that second dose as us being able to memorize that that coronavirus, when we get hit with it, we're ready to go ahead and fight it off. Is there a specific timetable for when people can get their second dose? For example, um, most of the people have been about three weeks to a month. If it's, say, two months, can people still get it and will that second dose still be as effective as normal? There have been limited studies looking at this. Um, So, you know, the recommendation is for both the Pfizer and Moderna products that you get them, you know, the second dose at the time that's recommended. So for Pfizer, it's three weeks. For Moderna, it's four weeks. Uh, The CDC has actually put out some guidance saying that really even out to six weeks from your first dose, Um, that you should go ahead and get that second dose. If people continue to not get the second dose, is there a concern that with these new variants, infections could start to crop up again and we may lose that opportunity to have that herd immunity? Yeah, so the the concern here are twofold. One is that um, on the individual level, a person's going to have a lower level of immunity and less of a potential response if, say, they get farther out from that first dose, that they're not going to have those protective memory cells um, to prevent an infection. The second, on a larger public health level, is that this could contribute to more transmission of the virus, which then leads to more variants cropping up. And of course, we're in 
really a race of the vaccine versus the variants. Um, and so the more vaccine we get out there with full immunity, the less transmission, the less variants, the less resistance to vaccines. That was Dr. Stephen Perotti, an infectious disease specialist and associate executive director with the Permanente Medical Group at Kaiser Permanente. Dr. Perotti, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Turning to immigration, advocates in California applauded President Joe Biden's decision to raise the limit on refugee admissions this year from a historic low to more than 62,000. Biden also reaffirmed his goal of doubling that number by next year. KQED's Farida Javala Romero reports. As a candidate, Biden pledged to increase the number of refugees allowed to come into this country. Then he stunned supporters and sparked criticism when he backpedaled last month and kept President Donald Trump's admissions limit of 15,000 refugees, the lowest since the Refugee Act of 1980 was signed into law. Now, Biden says raising refugee admissions better reflects America's values as a nation that welcomes people fleeing persecution from around the world. I'm absolutely thrilled that he's fulfilled his commitments and he's delivered on his promises. Um, there was so much doubt and disappointment when he pulled back. Sarah Terlau directs the International Rescue Committee in Northern California. She says that because refugee admissions plummeted during the Trump administration, resettlement agencies like IRC had to lay off staffers or even shut down their programs. Now they have the certainty they need to hire staff and rebuild. And essentially now where all systems go, we know how many people we can, we can start to resettle and we can hire up, we can prepare ourselves. Terlau expects her organization will receive hundreds of refugees in the coming months, up from just 40 so far this year. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. In Washington, Senator Alex Padilla says he's sponsoring a bill that would increase protection for more than a million acres of public lands in California. The bill would protect more than 500 miles of state rivers and provide more outdoor recreation opportunities throughout the state by creating trails, bike paths, and establishing visitor centers. Protected areas in the Santa Monica and San Gabriel Mountains would expand by more than 300,000 acres. Senator Padilla says this will provide underserved communities in Los Angeles County much-needed access to outdoor recreation and that preserving natural resources is one way of tackling the underlying causes of climate change. And it brings additional federal resources to bear on the problems we face today. 
including managing wildfires safely, preserving clean water, and reversing pollution. The bill passed the House with bipartisan support in February and has been received in the Senate. A coalition of over 600 environmental groups submitted over 100,000 petitions to the EPA's San Francisco office on Monday. The group wants the Biden administration to adopt their so-called Presidential Plastics Action Plan, which would, among other things, ban single-use plastics and stop the subsidization of plastic production. Stephanie Prufer with the Center for Biological Diversity says plastics are deepening the climate crisis. They're demanding it because their health depends on it. And they're demanding it because their lives are at stake. The EPA says it will review the petitions. And finally this morning, the recall challenge to Governor Gavin Newsom has a new and pretty unusual prop for a political campaign. Republican John Cox is rolling out his campaign with a new ad debuting at a regional park in Sacramento. Alongside him for the debut, a 1,000-pound, 7-foot-5 brown bear featured in said ad. If you see a political reporter today, give them a hug. They're on the story, so you don't have to be. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. The law firm Perkins Cooey a trusted legal advisor to innovative companies and industry leaders throughout California and the world. Learn more at PerkinsCOIE.com. And Blue Shield of California, closing the health care gap since 1939. Learn more about their commitment to quality and fair health care for every Californian at news.blueshieldca.com. And that is the California Report for this Tuesday, May 4th. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. Thank you for listening. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Abdel-Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.